Insightful podcasts by informative hosts. Insights into things. A podcast network. Welcome to Insights into Entertainment, a podcast series taking a deeper look into entertainment and media. Your hosts, Joseph and Michelle Whalen, a husband and wife team of pop culture fanatics, are exploring all things from music and movies to television and fandom. Welcome to Insights into Entertainment. Episode 20. Happy Anniversary, Foolish Mortals. I'm your host, Joseph Whalen, and my lovely and well-groomed, (laughs) well-dressed co-host, Michelle Whalen. Hello, dear. How are you today? Hello, love. I'm good. How are you? I am doing awesome. So, judging from our dramatic intro... And uh, your um, overdressed wardrobe today. Really? Uh, and the title, I think we have some Haunted Mansion news, don't we? I don't know. Maybe just a little bit. <laughs> I, I don't walk around the house like this all the time. Not No, you have several of those dresses you wear. <laughs> that is true. I do have a few. <laughs> so we have a very packed uh, podcast this week in our Disney Detective We have some Haunted Mansion news to talk about, obviously. Mm -hmm. We have some Toy Story news to talk about. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then we have uh, some inside information on who might be playing Ursula in the live-action version of The Little Mermaid. Mm -hmm. Then we'll move on to our entertainment news with some information on the latest James Bond film. Then uh, some Ghostbusters news Mm -hmm. to talk about. And then we have some wedding news, and if we have time, we have a brief in-memoriam section at the end of the show. We'll then finish up with our insightful picks of the week, and uh, I don't think we have any afterthoughts this week, though. Not that I know of. So, uh, are we ready to get into it? Sure, let's do it. All right. Go for Disney Detective. So as we opened up with, uh, the Haunted Mansion will be celebrating its 50th anniversary this year. And a nice little added attraction uh, that um, I had read about earlier in the week and then seems that it actually opened yesterday was a 50th anniversary exhibit, which they opened in Disneyland in the Disney Gallery. Um, So the Disney Gallery always had um, mementos of different um, attractions, you know, uh, artwork and things like that. But they had actually set up a special area for just Haunted Mansion stuff. So um, one of the Facebook groups that I follow actually had posted pictures of it yesterday. Um, So it actually opened up. Uh, yesterday. So it looked really, really interesting to see um, original artwork, original uh, maquettes 
from different characters throughout the Haunted Mansion. So it looked like a, a really cool little added thing if you happen to be out in California and can, you know, go and see it. Um, for those that don't know, um, Disney is doing a special uh, 50th anniversary uh, separate ticketed after hours event. Um, it was... <laughs> it, I would have loved to have gone to it, but for $300 for a four-hour party, plus needing airfare and a hotel room, I kind of opted out of yeah. it. Um, but it does look like that's going to be a really cool event. Disney's doing two different nights in August um, for this after-hours party. Um, various artwork is is being produced. There's a couple of different Disney artists that I follow on Facebook, and they were both very excited to be commissioning uh, pieces for the show. Um, there's a lot of different merchandise that's coming out. So I'm hoping um, that some of it is left over from the yeah. event and other people uh, can get it. I know they were doing um, kind of like an auction, not an auction, like a lottery system. So if you weren't going to the event, you could actually get into the lottery system to possibly buy something right, right. from the event. I'm just gonna kind of sit it out and 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 see, but it, it would would have been really cool to to be out there for it. So but. for the exhibit itself, is this merchandise that can be purchased? No, or it's not it, merchandise. It's, it's just for display, right? It's just for display to to look and and see. And we have a couple of pictures that um, you know we can go through, uh, you know, for our our viewers to to see um, from it. So just you know, some really cool. Things, you know, if if you happen to be a, a huge fan or a fan, not a huge fan, you don't have to be a huge fan, uh, a fan of the Haunted Mansion. The size of the fan does not matter. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Unless it's really hot out and then you want a big fan. But that's a whole other. So did you want to walk us through? Uh, I'll step through the slideshow. You can walk us through and just give us who we're looking at. I Sure, we could. Um, again, these are just various different characters. Not a lot of characters in the Haunted Mansion have specific names. Now, these um, were shot from uh, an attendee. Yes, this was a... This a is, these aren't official Disney right, photos. Right, these aren't official Disney photos. These are from... Um, it's actually the, the Facebook group. It, they actually have produced a um, Haunted Mansion... Um, documentary on fans of the haunted mansion so they are always posting different things so like some of the artwork um were artists renderings of you know before the ride was even created how you know they wanted it to look and, and, and these are these are all different artists mm -hmm. different are artists mm -hmm. are these are these well-known disney yes. artists yeah they're they're all you know disney artists that um, you know, some of their artwork looks very, you know, familiar for people that are familiar with uh, Disney parks and, and things. And, and some of these ideas actually went into, you know, the Haunted Mansion. Some of them, you know, were concept art that, you know, they never move forward with. So just kind of interesting to... So is this concept art that was developed before the Haunted Mansion mm -hmm. opened? So this isn't just contemporary. Right. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah. Yeah, some of it's, it's pretty abstract stuff that mm -hmm. they have here Yeah, well. it's funny. If you actually look at the history of the Haunted Mansion, um, they actually wanted it to be kind of more of like a bizarre type 
thing. Um, so it was actually kind of kind of creepy <laughs> if you if you look at you know what they were thinking about doing it originally and what it you know what it finally became. Um, yeah, it was definitely because it was like the 1950s, 1960s horror type you right. know feel to it at first and like the hammer films monsters yeah like yeah and they kind of you know changed it. it you know it was actually supposed to be a walkthrough it wasn't going right. to be a ride um and then they thought you know it would be better to to have it as a ride because you could regulate how quickly people could move through as opposed to people you know running and getting scared and right. you know different things so it's 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 kind so of you can still get scared you just have to sit there in your doom buggy <laughs> when you get scared or just close your eyes so so yeah it was it, it would be nice to to you know to to go and see it but it was nice that you know somebody and i'm sure there'll be more photos so how know. long is this going to be on display i don't know i didn't i didn't see anything i'm guessing probably I would say probably, you know, maybe for the duration of the year since it's, you know, the 50th anniversary. Now, we haven't gone through this whole uh, gallery yet. Is there anything in here surrounding the tradition, the Halloween tradition with decorating it as? Uh, I didn't go through the okay. whole gallery either, so. Because that is one thing to note. Right. One thing to note, if you do happen to, to go out to Disney um, around Halloween time, it actually, they start prepping it usually during the summer and it usually goes until the new, the beginning of the new year. Um, they change over the Haunted Mansion to Nightmare Before Christmas theme. So Jack and Sally and other characters from A Nightmare Before Christmas take over the Haunted Mansion. So... Um, when we were there a couple of years ago, it happened to be during Halloween, and that's how we got to see it. I was kind of excited to see it like that because I had always heard about it, but I was kind of disappointed for you guys because you guys didn't get to see the original, the original right. Haunted Mansion. So, but that's so okay. They got a ton of pictures in this gallery. We'll actually have the link to the Facebook gallery in the show notes itself. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think we have time to go through the whole thing here, though. But uh, folks are welcome to take a look at it afterwards. Absolutely. So if you're a fan, enjoy. Awesome. What else do we have, dear? So Toy Story 4 opened last weekend. Um, and I'm sure it's going to do fantastic again uh, this weekend. Um, but l as of last weekend, they had made $118 million during opening weekend. Um, it was actually thought the production... Product Let's try this again. Projections were actually they were hoping for 140 that uh, 140 million. So 118 really nothing to to be upset about. Um, oh, I'm sure if they don't like the numbers, they can re-release <laughs> it in a week or two. Right, right. Um, but it you know they were hoping to be up there with um, Incredibles two that actually had opened with 182 million. And Nothing greedy about Disney, huh? No, 118 no. million just isn't enough. But it, it still stands as the third highest opening weekend for 2019 so far. Obviously, with Captain Marvel and Avengers Endgame, you know, being ahead so of it. Disney's so. got the top three slots. Yeah, not not really surprising. Yeah, um, no room to complain. Right, though. and then overseas, Woody and his pals added 120 million from 37 markets and. You know, and another 15 million from the UK. So overall, a global opening of 238 million for 
a nice. bunch of toys. So not so bad. Um, so now combined with Aladdin, Disney now holds the four highest openings of the year. So not too not too bad of a year for Disney. And and we kind of knew going into it that you know every month there was going to be something you know. Yeah, I mean, Disney's certainly planned out the year very well right. to dominate the entire year. Absolutely. Um, Universal's Us still standing as the highest non-Disney opening with $71 million, um, whereas, you know, everything else seems <laughs> to be Disney. Um, so the opening of Toy Story also stands as the fourth highest uh, opening ever for an animated, sitting just behind $121 million, um, from when Shrek the Third opened. And also when Toy Story 3 opened. So, Interesting. you know, doing doing pretty well for just opening weekend. Um, so while the longevity of Toy Story 4 might be challenged uh, next week when uh, Spider-Man opens, uh, it's still, you know, is probably going to be pretty strong, you know, for the rest of the summer because it's, you know, more of the kids movie versus Spider-Man, you know, being... Uh, you know, a little bit more uh, for the the mid level kids, right. you know. Right. Um. So, and it had a a, a good score on Rotten Tomatoes. Um. You know, so it, it's it's doing well. So. So you went to see it without any spoilers. I didn't get to go see it right. because I was unfortunately you weren't feeling well. So. So you went to go went see, to see it, it. Yeah. without any spoilers. How was the movie? It was really good. It was sad. It was definitely. Um, sad and it was kind of funny because our daughter, she's 12, um, and she's never really been one to cry or get upset at movies or, you know, usually if, if we're at a movie and I'm the one crying, she'll always look over at me like, right, right. You tend to freak her out a little bit. Right. Well, when this was over, she had actually, she was crying. She was in, you know, this was like you know, the first movie ever that I could remember her getting upset by and, and we talked about it. But the one thing that I will say is, while it is kind of sad, um, it kind of still leaves the door open. Like it really wasn't that much of a finale. Like it wasn't like, all right, this is where things go. This is where they're going. They could really, if they wanted to, they could do another one. They of could course. do one, you know. Yeah. And and I don't know if that was the way that they they did it. If they meant it to be like, you know, write your own ending or write your next adventure, you know. Well, when you can crank them out every couple of years and make $140 million out of them, Disney would be stupid to close the door on them. Right. You know, I, or I could see them doing like like the little holiday specials that they did, like the Halloween right. special, you know. But they don't bring in hundreds of millions right, of dollars. Right, they don't. But you could definitely see, you know, this isn't the last, you know, of of Woody or, or Buzz or, or any of the other characters. So I, I thought it was... It was good. I felt kind of bad for some of the older characters because they didn't seem to bring them out as much. It was more a focus of some of the newer characters. Well, but they did bring some characters back, right? right? Oh, they did. Like all the characters were there, and what and what was really nice was Mr. Potato Head, who is voiced by Don Rickles, who actually had passed away two years ago. He was still predominant in, you know, he didn't have a lot of speaking parts. So they filmed his part before he passed. Or did they <laughs> well, reuse stuff. They actually reused stuff because when oh. they had actually the the story that I had had heard or uh, had read was that the 
family, Don Rickles' family, actually went to Pixar and said, hey, we heard you're doing a movie. Please, if there's any way you can include him, do what you can. And they went back through 25 years of outtakes and things to find what they could use and kind of wrote, you know, made sure that, that he was part of it. So that was... That was very touching, and actually, they did have a a, a post credit, uh, you know, dedication dedication to nice. him that was that was really sweet. So yeah, if if you're a fan, go and see it, you know, and 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 you'll enjoy and bring some tissues too. <laughs> <laughs> nice. We have one more Disney story today, don't we? One more Disney story. This one actually popped up yesterday. So sources tell Variety that while the deal is not complete, it looks like Melissa McCartney uh, is in the early talks to play Ursula the Sea Witch in the live action adaptation of The Little Mermaid. Interesting. So obviously there's a lot of buzz as to... Um, who will be in in the cast? Um, it it's you know they they're they're looking for various uh, people uh, to to recreate this. Um, the director of Mary Poppins Returns, Rob Marshall, is actually going to be directing um, this version of the film. Uh, they want to incorporate songs from the original 1989 movie. Um, as well as new tunes for the movie. Oh my um, god, 1989, that's when that came yeah, out? Yeah, 1989 was the original Little god, Mermaid. I feel old. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. Um, so Alan Menken is going to be teaming up with Lin-Manuel uh, Miranda to uh, write some of the, the new songs. Obviously, Alan Menken um, was the original uh, writer, um, Along with, I can't think of his name. It's not in in the article. Um, shoot, we'll find it and we'll put it in the notes. I'll I'll eventually remember it. Um, so obviously they're gonna do the you know the songs part of your world kiss uh, kiss the girl and obviously McCartan, uh, McCarthy uh, poor unfortunate souls. So this will be interesting because I don't think she's ever actually sung right. you know in any of her her movies. Um, so they're obviously yeah, they're sound engineers could even make me sound good. <laughs> exactly. So obviously, you know, with the the success of Aladdin, which we just talked about, um, which has now grossed eight hundred and twenty million worldwide, which we still unfortunately haven't had a chance to go see. Um, but it we'll is... wait for it to re-release. <laughs> right. And then Lion King is getting a lot of hype, and that opens you know next month. So. You know, it's funny when Disney started remaking these live actions. It was kind of like, oh, why are you doing it? But obviously, people are enjoying I, it. You know, I still get a laugh out of the fact that they're remaking Lion King into a live action movie, right? Which isn't a live action movie because all the animals are computer generated, right? Well, it was the same thing with with Jungle Book. You had well, one actor, had the, yeah. You yeah. had the kid there at least, yeah. So with Lion King, but, you know, eh, whatever. Um, so this will actually mark the first family-friendly role for her because she's kind of been the, you know, adult comedy. Which, you know, you know. kind of makes me question whether or not Disney's making the right move bringing somebody with that kind of image into their... I don't know. I think she stay. might I think she might actually do okay. Um, she was well, see, m- Disney has a tendency of 
taking the pure people <laughs> and then turning into these inappropriate adults. Right, you know. right. So maybe maybe it'll be be a switch. Um, so she was actually just had a uh, Best Oscar uh, nominee uh, for a role. Um, uh, can you uh, ever forgive me? So, you know, this will be, you know, another change for her because she's, you know, started to do a little bit more dramatic and now on to Disney. Well, so good for her. Yeah. Good for her. And it should make for an interesting role in, in the movie. Absolutely. And that's all we had for Disney Detective today. Yep, that's it. All right. Let's move on to our entertainment news of the week. So first up this week is a story about Bond, James Bond. Well, we had talked about it a couple of months ago, actually, that they were uh, making a new James Bond movie. Yeah. Uh, nothing was really brought about or talked about. They were just basically talking it Bond 25. Well, we had talked about uh, Ravi Malik right. being cast as one of the villains. We did know about him being uh, in uh, one of the villains. Um, but now, <laughs> now they're saying, is it cursed? Um, so it seems they've had a couple of different mishaps throughout uh, the um, filming and, and post-production or pre-production. Um, so the first thing was that uh, Daniel Craig actually injured her, his ankle uh, during shooting um, and he actually had to have some surgery and uh, was actually out of work or will be out of work for, for about two weeks. Um, so production was still kind of... They've changed the production schedule going around on. film around him. Right. Yeah. So that, well, that, remember the same thing happened to Harrison Ford right. during Force Awakens film. Right, too. right, exactly. So Only that I was, doubt they dropped the door of the Millennium Falcon on Daniel Right, Craig. I don't think they did that. Um, so that was kind of, you know, the, the big thing. Um, but then there was also kind of something silly that it was funny because in the news article they were like, we don't even want to talk about it, but if we're talking about all the things that are going bad, so it seems there was this this person who they're not really sure how he's even related to the movie, but he actually put a camera in the woman's bathroom in Pinewood studios set, which is where they're they're filming um, the movie and he was arrested um, and facing charges, but they're not really sure how he's connected um, but basically the studio said, hey, you know, we're taking this very seriously and we're acting upon it and, you know, we don't want to cause any problems. So that was kind of like an obscure thing that was happening with it. Um, but then obviously the, the tr- real trouble actually started because the original director of the film um, was Danny Boyle and he exited after disagreeing with Bond execs about how the movie was was basically uh, being played out. Um, so he was actually co-writing the script um, with John Hodge, and he actually also left the film as well. Um, and they left just weeks before production was st- uh, set to begin, so they ended up having to, you know, <laughs> hire replacements uh, for everything. Um, and then obviously, like I said, the injury occurred, Um, and so he had to take two week, you know, a two week break, you know, to do rehab and, you know, they were going to do certain scenes with Robbie Malik, um, who obviously, like we said, was playing the main lead, but he said that, you know, 
we're doing some scenes without him, but others, you know, we are waiting for, right. you know, Craig to come back, you know, because it would just be odd to, to shoot half of a, a scene um, without him. So it, it looks like, you know, things should be on the mend for, for everybody, but, you know, it'll be interesting to, to see what you know, I have to say, like... You know, all films have these quirky little issues mm-hmm. that they deal with. Um, I don't think any of these is a sign that it's it's cursed. I mean, you've right. had some films uh, in the past that you know you've had mysterious deaths on the oh, set, and yeah. stuff like that, that, or or actors from the movie you know have passed away before the shooting. Look has at even, the crow. I mean, right? Stuff like that. Right. So, right. Yeah, I think I, I I think they just have a run of bad luck here, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, I suspect Dango Craig is happy that this is probably going to be his last Bond film. <laughs> right, right. He's probably like, you know what? Time to retire. Yeah, so. I've had enough of this. Yeah, yeah. So Cool. So what else do we... Uh, um, so in other news that actually uh, just came out uh, not that long ago was we another film that we had been talking about, Ghostbusters, the newer version of it. Um, so it looks like Paul Rudd uh, is in final negotiations to join the cast of what they're calling Ghostbusters 2020. Um, interesting addition. Yeah. So he's actually going to be playing a teacher in the film. Um, so uh, Carrie Coon is also in talks for the not so secret part uh, project along with stranger things star Finn Wolfhard and gifted star uh, McKenna Grace. So it kind of sounded like it's going to be the story of a single mom and her kids and um, and Paul Rudd being the teacher. So not really sure who the Ghostbuster, you know, is going to be. Um, so uh, Jason Reitman, uh, whose father directed the original, is actually going to be directing this one, which we right. had already uh known about um sony hasn't commented on the plot details but again it's an extension of the original ghostbusters um again like i said with a focus on her single mom a single mom and her family um and not really sure how it's playing in but it does look like sigourney weaver is rumored to return as her original character uh dana barrett um so we'll we'll see uh where that goes. So uh, Paul Rudd had posted a, a little teaser video about, you know, getting slimed, you know, yesterday. So that was kind of like the, hey, I'm in the movie, too. Right, so it right. should be should be interesting to see. So very cool. And the last entertainment news we have. Yeah, the last little entertainment wedding news I saw was Catherine McPhee and David Foster actually got married yesterday uh, in London. Uh, their wedding was a, a little small one, uh, by celebrity standards, I guess. Uh, had approximately a hundred guests, um, and the American Idol alum, who is thirty-five, and the music producer, sixty-nine, uh, who is sixty-nine, sparked uh, romance rumors back in May of two thousand seventeen when they were spotted together, um, and then not that long after, um, they announced their engagement. And finally tied the knot. Um, they basically were waiting for, uh, she had been on Broadway um, in The Waitress and then actually was in uh, London performing as well and was basically waiting uh, to finish her run 
um, with the show before actually tying the knot. So Very cool. Yeah, so it was kind of sweet. So this is actually her second time down the aisle, and this is his fifth time. Wow, that's... <laughs> Like, after two, why bother, you know? <laughs> well, hey, good for them. Good for them. Um, So we're doing good on time, so I think we could probably pay a little respect to those sure. that we lost this week. Sure. So, you know, some little sad news that, that popped up um, uh, during the week. Uh, there were two, two uh, uh, deaths that, that occurred. Uh, the first was Max Wright. Um, who died at age 75. And while the name might not be familiar, if you saw him, you would definitely know. And if you were a child of the 80s and watched Alf, you would know him as the dad um, from from the show. Um, he um, passed away on Wednesday, um, and he had been actually suffering cancer uh, for uh, a while. He was actually diagnosed with lymphoma in 1995, but he was in remission. Um, and unfortunately, uh, the last couple of years uh, weren't doing, he wasn't doing as well. Um, but his career took off in the 70s and early 80s, uh, various different you know, roles in movies. Um, he was in All That Jazz, uh, Warren Beatty's movie Reds. He was in Sting 2, Touch and Go, Soul Man, uh, The Shadow, um, A Midsummer Night's Dream, and uh, Snow Falling on Cedars. Um, and was in various different, you know, television shows as well. But again, most people do, you know, remember him from... From, from Alf, Alf yeah. Um, and uh, Seth MacFarlane even tweeted, "Sad news to hear of his passing. Who will now keep Alf in check?" <laughs> so thought that was that was kind of kind of sweet. Yeah. Um, and then another new uh, uh, memoriam news: uh, Billy uh, Drago, um, who was actually in uh, various films, uh, The Untouchables, Pale Rider. He died um, on Monday from complications from a stroke, and he was 73. Um, he was a, very much a character actor. If you saw, you know, again, you see his face, you, oh, I remember him from, from various things, but might not be one of those names that, that rings a bell. Right. Um, he was in, um, like I said, The Untouchables. He was in Charmed. Uh, he was on The X-Files, Hill Street Blues, Moonlighting, you know, basically all the shows from, you know, the late 70s, early 80s, Trapper John M.D. He, you know, was on. Um, so um, he was even in Michael Jackson's music video, uh, Rock, Rock, You Rock My World in <laughs> 2001. Wow. Um, so, again, sad news uh, in the world of entertainment. Alrighty. Well, thank you for that. We uh, will miss them. And uh, I think we're ready for our insightful picks. I think we are. All right. As always, my dear, the floor is yours. Why, thank you. So I'm very excited with my insightful pick because it actually comes back next week. And that is Stranger Things. Um, it is a, an American science fiction horror web series uh, created and written by the Duffer Brothers, which is released on Netflix, not to be confused with Amazon Prime. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, it's a nice little horror 
show with a lot of homage to the 1980s. So if you're a fan, you know, if you were a kid in the 80s or a fan of that kind of genre, this is definitely uh, the show, you know, if you haven't watched it, you know, you have plenty of time to uh, before the, the premiere of the newest season. Um, so it's set in the fictional town of Hawkins, Indiana in the 80s. Uh, the first season is set in November 1983. So it's um, it's right kind of it actually starts off. It's like Halloween time frame. Um, and it basically focuses on the investigation and the disappearance of a young boy and the super natural events that kind of occur in the town after it, um, including the appearance of a girl who has psychokinetic abilities and kind of helps ends up helping the missing boy's friends search the town for, um, for this kid in the second season, which they titled stranger things too. Uh, it's set basically, yeah. It's basically set one year later in October and deals with the attempts of the characters to kind of return to a normal life um, that lingered from the first season. And then the third season, which is going to be uh, premiering uh, next week, is titled Stranger Things Three, and it's basically set in mid nineteen eighty five. So every season kind of jumps um, a year. Um, so they basically developed the show kind of paying, like I said, homage to the 1980s, the pop culture of the time, but also a lot of, um, uh, homage to like Steven Spielberg and John Carpenter and Stephen King, you know, and video games of that time. Um, you know, cause it, it just looks like the, f- it was made in the 1980s. It's it's not one of those. Oh, they're trying to be cheesy with it. No, right, it really right. it really has that that feel to it. Like just the soundtrack and and uh, there was a story a couple of weeks ago about how uh, Coca Cola was bringing back new Coke. Right. Because right. it's that was the time frame that that it happened. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's it's funny the other markets that the show itself is is driving at this point right. in time. That being one of them and. There was another article uh, about uh, a display at Madame Tussauds. Right. So, yeah, it's just, it's funny seeing the kind of influence that the show itself has on other things. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, the first season was only eight episodes. Um, so, again, real quick binge watch if you need to. Um, the second season was nine episodes. And then this one. Um, so in December of 2017, they ordered a third season, which actually started production in, in April of 2018, and it is eight episodes. So not a very long season. Um, we were kind of joking about it. It's like, all right, well, who's going to binge watch it? And it's like, well, you have to wait like two years for it to come right. out. Do you really want to watch it all in one shot? But then you don't want to not watch it all because then everybody's going to be talking yeah, about that's true. it. But you figure if it's only eight episodes over a holiday weekend, you know, you should have plenty of time uh, to um, to to watch it. Um, But the Duffer brothers did actually say that they're most likely going to end after a fourth or fifth season Um, that, you know, by then the stories, you know, can only go so far. Right. And they pretty much knew from the get go where they wanted it to begin and where they wanted it to end. But you know what? They had. Um, received 31 Emmy nominations, so you know, obviously, it's a it's a big hit. Yep. 
and like you said, with all the the following of, of all these, you know, various things. If you go to a, a toy store, they have you know Stranger Things toys yep. and and pops, and you know, so it definitely does have a following. So I'm excited to uh, to see it next week. Cool, very good pick. Thank you. All right, so I'm going to go out on a limb on my pick this week and pick a documentary. <gasps> I'm so shocked. Yeah, this one, this it is a little different though. This one is actually on Netflix. I don't pick wow, Netflix look at that. Uh, shows very often. Uh, this one is not a sciencey type documentary like I usually pick. This actually is kind of in line with our James Bond theme this week. Mm, okay, and it's a show called Inside the Mossad. Mm. Um, the Mossad itself, you know, is the intelligence the cia equivalent of the israeli uh government um so for years the Mossad, israeli's legendary foreign intelligence agency has been sealed off to the media now for the first time since its founding a dozen of Mossad's former spies give us a first-hand recount into their inner work and their moral dilemmas viewers are drawn into a personal account of the top secret operations that have shaped Israel's past and may yet shape its future. Uh, it's done in a very, I want to say subliminal way. Okay. The, the, the camera angles that they do, the cinematography, even the soundtrack that they do is all very carefully chosen. Mm-hmm. And it presents things in a very sublime way. Um, they talk about, you know, I, I think I'm three episodes, four episodes into their, uh, I think it's an eight episode season. Um, but they talk about how they recruit, they talk about how they run their operatives, and then now they're getting into details about certain operations, one being tracking down the Munich terrorists that that killed the Israeli athletes. Okay. One was tracking down uh, Adolf Eichmann, mm. you know, when he fled to Brazil. Another one that I just watched was um, when Ethiopia, when you know, devolved into a civil war in the I think the fifties. Uh, there was a large segment of uh, Jewish Ethiopians that they worked to get out of the country through Sudan using um, a scuba diving company okay. that was set up as a front to handle it all. And it's just, it's brilliantly done. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that's really interesting is that the people that are, that are interviewing, I'm sure they can speak English, but they don't in the interviews. Mm-hmm. So the interviewer and the interviewee are speaking Hebrew. Okay. Um or in some cases Arabic, depending on who the operative is. Okay. And and they're voiced over by the translators. And the translators aren't just saying the words, the translators are actually almost role playing. Oh, okay. So they're it's not just hi, this is what we did. It's oh with the dramatic overtone. So it's it's a dramatic retelling and you can you could hear the inflection in the translator 
as you hear the inflection in the actual interview. So they're voicing over. They're not cutting out the foreign language. Okay. And it's neat because they laugh. The translators laugh when the other person laughs. So it's it's almost like they're you're you're getting that firsthand account because it's done so well. Um, and they talk about things like the interviewer asks tough questions, mm-hmm. like like questions that these folks don't want to answer. Mm, okay. Um, and it's funny. It's sometimes you're sitting across the table from someone who was a field operative who killed people and who was very capable of killing people. And the interviewers leaning into him, basically trying to get information out. Right, right. And you could kind of see where the guy's starting Getting to get a little, a little angry there. And it's like, well, I give the interviewer credit for right. pushing the issue, but you might wind up, you know, dead. <laughs> dead. <laughs> um, but they go into some of the grueling detail. In fact, the one operation in Sudan where they had the the um, scuba diving. They were they couldn't get people out of Ethiopia directly, so they were smuggling them into Sudan and then flying them out with Israeli Israeli special forces. So they set up this scuba diving. There was a scuba diving business that was there already that was British. So they took that over and basically bought it and ran it like a business. But that was the cover story for all the agents. So they recounted one story where this one guy came. He was an Eastern European uh, customer asked for a private dive and figured out based on hand signals, because I guess the way they tell it is the Army does hand signals a certain way in scuba and the Navy does it a different way. And the guy figured out that he was former military Mm. and started asking questions. Then he asked the question in Hebrew and the guy responded. So he knew, the agent at that point, knew he had been burned. So he tells his controller. Mm -hmm. So the controller pays a visit to the guy. And basically calls the guy out. Mm-hmm. And he says, yeah, you asked the diver for another private visit. We're going to take you to the section of the reef where the shark, there's a special shark, and that shark likes kosher meat. Oh, snap. Uh, so it was <laughs> like like the guy wasn't holding back. So right, it's, right. A, it's a really well done, down and dirty, really honest look. And th- clearly they don't reveal anything mm-hmm. that's classified or sensitive. Right, right. It's all stuff that's 40, 50 years old. Uh, but it's just the interviews because it's really it's just it's an interview driven thing where they do some dramatic shots of the description of what they're doing, and it's one of the better documentaries that I've seen when it comes to doing these types of interviews. It's it's extremely well done. So that is inside the Mossad. Season one is available on Netflix now. Very very cool. Uh, no afterthoughts today. Actually, did have one that kind of popped up. Okay. I'll turn it over to you then. Okay. So this is actually a interactive game. Okay. That we actually both started playing. We did. We did. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think I know um, what you're talking about. I think you know too. It's called Harry Potter Wizards Unite. Um, and for those that have played uh, Pokemon Go, it's basically the same type of game system as that, but it's the world of Harry Potter. Um, so the idea is to get you out and about um, with family because yep. we went out. The two of us went out yesterday on a date night and we ran into a mother and son who were, were playing as right. well. Um, and while we never played Pokemon Go, we always ran into 
a lot of people uh, playing uh, playing that. Actually, the one time we went to a, a local national park and we're like why is all these people here i didn't think uh (laughs) and then we found out that there was a a pokemon event and that's where you know hundreds of people uh actually were um so again we we never played the pokemon version of it um but we did start playing the the harry potter version and uh so far we're we're definitely hooked um it's a shame, though, because our daughter actually despises all things Harry Potter. She does. Um, so she's not one to join us. Um, but it's it's nice. It, it definitely get, gets you out and about. Um, and, you know, driving around your, your local town to see where there are different things to, to pick up. So there are different uh, things to fight, different things to collect, different potions to make. It's really very easy to, to navigate. Um, you know, it, it's very user friendly. Um, but if you do have issues, you know, you can go online and, and, and find it. Uh, it's available for download on the Apple Store. Um, and also uh, Google Play has it. Uh, the Galaxy Store has it. So uh, it, it's on all platforms. Before we go, I did want to offer one quick shout out to uh, a friend, a uh, colleague, uh, my boss, uh, to Carm DeLeo. Uh, he was uh, listening to the podcast, and uh, he is a bit of a sound engineer himself. Mm-hmm. He's in the music business. And he gave me a few pointers on how to improve our sound engineering on this side here. So the last two or three episodes of the podcast have been uh, under his tutelage, and I think most folks will agree that the sound quality has improved significantly both on the video side and the audio side. So a big thank you to Carm for his tutelage on that. Very cool. Uh, and I think that's it. Check out the website is. for show notes uh, and transcripts and all of our contact information. And we'll be back next week with another great podcast. All right. All righty. Talk to everyone later. Have a good one.